Welcome back to Hurdles and Hoots, everyone. This is Karina. I am really excited to have you join us. I have a very special guest here today, a very dear friend. I admire her. I've known her for quite a few years now, and she'll be sharing her story as a mother and what it's been like for her to raise an autistic child and her experience. So I really want to ask that you listen with an open mind and an open heart, regardless of any of your personal biases or opinions. I just ask that we just come together to listen to someone else's story. Why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself? My name is Ima. I am a mother of three. I have a 17-year-old, a 5-year-old, and a 3-year-old. You know, I'm married, live in L.A., and I'm happy to be here. <laughs> I love it. No, I'm, I'm really glad that you're here with us. I'm excited just because I think it's really important for people to hear from parents and not just professors, not just doctors, and not just professionals in the field, but families, that this is your world. Why don't you actually just tell us about who your kids are, and if you knew anybody that had autism before your son. I actually have a nephew that's autistic, and he's 16 years old. Um, so with him early on, we had not really heard a lot about autism, you know? So we knew that something was wrong, but we didn't know exactly what it was. We just thought there was a delay. So I had experience with autism through my nephew. Obviously, now he's a teenager, so we've seen him throughout the years, and I knew that autism was real, and especially now, I think it's just so much more common than it was when he was younger. So you see it a lot more often now. The numbers have changed compared to when he was younger, and you hear about it all the time. Do you think a part of, and this is just you know, taking from your experience, you think a part of the reason why it wasn't heard of as much is because it was within the Latino community, you know? So for anybody that's listening, you do come from a Latino family. Do you think that was part of the reason why? You know what? I think that is a reason why in the way that a lot of Hispanic people probably didn't know what this was. So they just thought maybe, oh, my kid's not talking or my kid's acting out or they didn't put one and one together. And I think that's a big misconception with families that, oh, they're not speech delayed. It's just they're going to talk later or, oh, you know, you don't correct your kids. That's why they're tantruming out. So they don't put like all the cues of an autistic child together until it's kind of like later on in life. Mm-hmm. That's what I've noticed, unless you have experienced it. I think I would not have been so aware of my son's needs if I didn't see the needs of my nephew growing up. I think, honestly, that's one of the things that I've noticed working in schools with predominantly Latino students, that a lot of the parents really had a hard time with even finding out that there was some sort of diagnosis or that there was learning disorders or that their kids had different needs than what they would have expected, right? And so um, I definitely noticed that, and I just, I wonder if there's just not enough 
information that's in Spanish or if it's just not wanting to talk about it. We know it's there, but we don't want to talk about it. It's kind of a taboo subject. This isn't a conversation that we have. What do you think it is? I think it's a bit of both. There is a lot of information missing from different communities, especially the Latino community. I think now you find more, but people that have older children probably didn't have those resources back in the day. Another thing, like nobody ever wants to talk about something being wrong with your child. And I know that at least for experience with me and my husband, I knew early on something was wrong. Something didn't feel right. I saw he wasn't hitting, you know, his speech cues. He was starting to tantrum out in a way, you know, I have an older child. So I kind of know like, okay, I can spot a tantrum. I understand he would not stop. No matter what, he just would not stop. And I was like, okay, this isn't normal. Something doesn't feel right. And for my husband was like, oh, he's fine. He's just going to get through it. When he found out he was autistic, he cried. You know, that's his son. Of course, it's an emotional thing. Obviously, we both cried, but I was kind of like, okay, we know what he has. What do we do? That was my take. He was kind of like, he's never going to want to play sports. All the things that you think as a parent. The thing about my son, I think even if he didn't have autism, he wouldn't have wanted sports. That's not in his personality. That's not who he is. So I tell him that all the time. It's like, you want him to be a certain way, but that's not him. And no matter if he was autistic or if he was normal, that wasn't going to change. Yeah. And that's the thing that's really hard, right? Like, I'm, you know, not a mother. And so I can't relate to that experience, but it's exactly why I wanted to have you come on board and, and just share yours, because I only can speak on the lens of being an educator, being in school and, and learning and getting more involved in the field. You know, really, there's just this very common theme among any family that experiences something that's outside of what you expect. There's sometimes like a grieving process. Sometimes yeah. it's this journey of accepting this is my child, this is who he is, this is part of his identity. How do we move forward to make sure that my child succeeds, right? So, yeah, why don't you go ahead and, and tell everybody a little bit about little Chris. So, Chris is my middle child. He's my only boy. He's five years old. He has been obsessed with airplanes since I can remember. Anytime he would hear an airplane, he was at the window, even till now. He's obsessed with Legos, obsessed with Hot Wheels. Like, that's his thing. Mm -hmm. He's so smart. He's academically, he's on track. He knows his numbers, his shapes, his colors. He's really bright. He's very loving, completely loving. Like, he's such a sweetheart. He'll come up to me and my husband and he'll be like, I love you. And that was the thing when we found out he was autistic, especially, I think, watching shows like Atypical and you see his personality being so like blah, no emotion. My son's not like that. My son's super caring, super loving, super affectionate. So it's like there is no one autism. Everybody's completely different. And I'm super blessed that he's loving because we love him and we show him love and he shows it right back. Yeah, and I think you just said something that's so true. It isn't a one-size-fits-all. Every single person is so different. 
who is autistic and it shows up in different ways. In a previous episode, we were talking about how there's these tendencies, right? But it doesn't mean that every single person is going to look the same. Or if you catch somebody that's doing something, oh, yep, then they're autistic. That's not the case. It's every single person is just so unique and different in, in what they're interested in, their sense of humor, how they relate to other people, how they socialize, everything just looks yeah. different. So you, you mentioned he like really likes airplanes and Hot Wheels and Legos. Is that something that he loves to do during his playtime? Is that his special interest? Or it's just those are the toys that he loves to play with? Yeah, for sure. The Hot Wheels, he loves playing with that. And he loves Target because he knows that they sell them there. <laughs> so if he sees a Target bag, he's automatically looking in it to try to see if there's Hot Wheels in there. <laughs> because so that, he knows that that's where he gets them from. But he can play especially with that I think we play a lot in therapy so he is receiving ABA therapy and speech so sometimes especially now that we're in the pandemic in order to keep him engaged they have to play some kind of game and that's like his go-to mm -hmm. so especially right now that he discovered Legos and how to build them like that's his go-to um entertainment while he's in therapy that is so awesome. Is it just the sound of the airplanes that he's fascinated with? Yeah. We live close to LAX, so there's an in and out close to LAX, and we've taken him there, and he's, like, mesmerized by the planes passing by. I think that's one thing that's so important that any other child, whether or not they're autistic, whatever we see that they're interested in, we want to champion that, right? We want to encourage yeah. that. We want to say, yes, if that's what you like, okay, then then that is exactly what you can be if you want to when you grow up. And it's totally outside of whether they're uh, autistic or not. Speaking on that, what was it like or what has it been like just for you as a parent, as a mother, going through this journey of having a son who is autistic, what have been some of the challenges and some of the laughs that you've had along the way? I think uh, the challenges was making my family believe that there was something wrong with him. My, my grandpa's like, <laughs> God bless his soul. He's like, well, the reason he's not talking is because you cut his hair. You're not supposed to cut his hair because he's going to talk, you know, it's like all these myths that they have. They're like, oh no, there's nothing wrong with him. He's just going to be speech delayed. It happens. And I'm like, no, it's more than that. He was only at 18 months saying mama and dada. That's it. When he should have been saying at least, you know, 10 words. And it, it wasn't getting past that. I started looking into it and I was like, okay, I kind of was already on high alert as soon as I saw that he was speech delayed just because of the experience with my nephew. I was like, okay, if there is anything wrong, I'm going to start as early as possible to get him help. So at that time, they didn't want to diagnose him with autism because they wanted to wait till he was older because they weren't sure if it was going to be just speech delayed or if it was actually autism. So at 18 months, I had him evaluated. At 20 months, he started speech. So he started speech pretty early. Mm -hmm. And then I reached out to the regional center where they had him evaluated. Well, they had in-home care. They had occupational therapy for him. And they just went through the motion. But people that meet him don't think he's autistic. When you tell people he's autistic, 
what do they expect maybe do they expect to see something particular in him and so when he doesn't present that then they're like oh then he's not autistic right so what is it that they see that surprises them they're like but he looks us in the eye because he does and then they're like oh he's affectionate he's just he's just a boy he's just plain at the beginning you would see him and it was normal you would just think oh he can't talk yet right so people are assuming that he's gonna act weird or like do something weird in front of them and he wouldn't so they would be like no 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 no, he's not he's just speech delayed recently maybe in the last six months he has started arm flapping he wasn't doing that before mm -hmm. so now when he gets overstimulated when he's super happy he'll arm flap so that's obviously an autistic trait and that's something that's visible one thing that we um, originally started to try to minimize that is telling him to clap but then one of his therapists told me you don't want him to arm flap and you don't want him to clap in public because it's going to look weird once he gets to school so we try to tell him pull, to pull his shirt because he can pull his shirt and kind of like be mindful of that so we're still in the process of getting him to not flap his hands just because obviously when he's out in public it looks weird especially nowadays kids can be so rude or mean he might experience some kind of bullying but we're trying to minimize it before he gets to the age where it's really going to get real yeah and so is that one of the reasons why um you are working on this with him because of the fear of what will happen when he encounters other people and they treat him a way that's not what I would want for him. They treat him in a way yes. that's not respectful, that's not inclusive. Would you say that that's kind of at the root of why you guys are working with him on these different strategies? Yeah, most definitely. We want to make sure that obviously he doesn't stick out in a way that's going to impact him negatively because he's super happy while he's flapping his arms, but somebody might think that's weird. Obviously, we're kind of used to it because, you know, we deal with him every day, but somebody that doesn't know somebody autistic might be like, oh, that's really, like, what is he doing? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, the reaction yeah. might not be, oh, he's he's excited and he flaps his arms. That's fine. When yeah. I'm excited, I yell or I jump or it'll just yeah. be seen as something totally different than that. Yeah, that's, that's sure. good. I think that's something that... Um, a lot of kids that, you know, are autistic that I've worked with experience, right, the bullying. And because the way that they particularly behaved or the way that they interacted with other kids wasn't what other people expected. And that's the thing. There's these expectations of what a quote-unquote normal person should say or how they should act. Even, you know, as you mentioned, the milestones in speech or in motor skills, right? There's these expectations that society has of kids and these kids become adults. And so I think a, a part of the fight, would you say, is making sure that that it's not that way? Or would you say that it's a struggle maybe even to have to hide some of those things that he naturally does so that he doesn't get hurt by anyone that's not yeah. in his immediate circle? Yeah, I think especially in a school setting, I can't educate people that might see him 
and not know that he's autistic or people in public they might not know he's autistic so immediately they're going to be like what is he doing you know what i mean so it's like i'm gonna try to make sure that he doesn't get emotionally hurt by trying to minimize something that i know can have a negative effect on him if somebody calls him weird or calls him out and he doesn't understand that what he's doing isn't normal to society, but it's normal to him. Mm -hmm. That's right. Did that affect you at all? Uh, maybe when he was younger or before he started to have additional support or even just as a mother, right? And he's your son. Did it affect you in a certain way? Did you ever have these thoughts of just struggling with why, why does he have to keep doing that? Or how do I make sure that he is accepted at school or how do I have this conversation with that parent or with this family member, with this friend? What has that been like for you? It's definitely one thing I will tell you because my kids are, they're really close in age. My son is five and my daughter's three. They're 16 months apart. So I have had, I, I don't remember who told me this, but they're like, well, if you knew he was autistic, you, why did you have them back to back? And I was like, First of all, I didn't know that he was autistic at 17 months, right? Because that's when I gave birth to my daughter. I found out he wasn't hitting his milestones. And then we found out he was autistic when he was like three and a half. So, you know, I was kind of like, oh, okay. And honestly, especially with them both and even just him by himself, it was a struggle to go out in public. And it still is with him because he, he wants what he wants when he wants it. And if he doesn't get it, he will tantrum out, he will create a scene, and people don't understand that. People are like, they don't correct him, you know, they're not disciplining him. And that's not the case, but he'll tantrum out if he doesn't get what he wants when he wants it. And that's a really hard thing to have to explain to other people and have this conversation and really defend him in that way, right? Like, he's autistic. So sometimes that means he'll do this. Sometimes that means he'll say one thing, right? And I think that's just part of the journey. What are some of the resources that you have now as a family that have been really helpful and that you would want other families or friends or guardians, maybe even students who are listening or anybody that's just in the community that has been super helpful for you? Well, first of all, I think it's, you know, making sure you get them the appropriate help. I know that um, my son's been in speech since he was 20 months old. And then right after that, once we got the diagnosis, we put him in ADA therapy. And we've seen a tremendous improvement in him and his waiting skills and just overall with ADA. But also when we found out we were going to get ADA services, we found out it was going to be about 15 hours a week. So having known that, that's basically like a part-time job. Me and my husband were working full-time at the time. So we knew it was going to be a struggle. We don't have family that can stay with my son while he's in therapy. Unfortunately, we don't, we don't have that. So we made the decision that I'm going to leave my job to make sure that I took care of the therapies that he needed to get him all the help he needed. When I left my job, obviously that was a loss of income to our family. And I didn't know that, you know, there's SSI resources if, you fall within the income limit. I didn't know that you can potentially get IHSS to be a caretaker for your child if they fall within their guidelines. I left my job in February of 2019 and I 
did not apply for any resources till November because I really didn't even know that that was a possibility for my son. Yeah. So that was additional income to help our family that was already in a way struggling with the loss of a second income just survive. What is, just for everyone that's listening that hasn't heard of IHSS, what is that? Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, so IHSS is a a program that helps caretakers. So you can be a caretaker for somebody elderly, somebody with a disability, and autism is classified as a disability depending on certain measures. For example, my son has bowel movements, and although he should be potty trained, he won't use the toilet. He still requires a diaper for his bowel movements. Because of that, I'm allocated a certain amount of hours. It's not a lot, but I do get a small check a month for that. So it's just something extra that they help you with. The great thing about IHSS is that if you are a caretaker for a child or a parent or somebody that lives within your household, that income is not taxable. So when you do your taxes, it doesn't count as income towards you if you live with the person that you're taking care of, which in my case is my son. So it's like tax-free income to help the family out. That is so helpful. I don't think a lot of people know about this, and I honestly didn't know about this until you mentioned it. And, And I just think it's a great source. I think more people should know about this, especially if their caretakers, whether they're autistic or not, if they fall into that category. So that's a really helpful resource. Where for speech therapy, would you say, are some places or websites that people could go to to get some additional support for that? So I know that for us, we actually went through Kaiser. We had a Kaiser at the time, so we went through that. But the regional center is definitely, in my opinion, they're really hands-on. You put in the referral, they call you. I actually do have my daughter took speech through the regional center because my daughter was speech delayed because her only person that she would interact with as a child was my son that doesn't really talk well. So they would communicate like in their own little language for the longest. And I did not notice she was speech delayed because she was talking way more than he was until I saw my friend's daughter and she was like saying full sentences and I was like I missed her delay because she hit all her milestones and you know I did not pay as close attention to to her in that way but you know she's she's talking up a storm now and you can't get her to quiet down (laughs) that's awesome I love that so you would say that having this additional support having ABA And for those who don't know, that is applied behavior analysis therapy. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And speech therapy. So those are really great um, additional supports to have for kids and for families. What would you say are some of the most amazing things that you've experienced with little Chris? I definitely want to highlight that because... As a family, every family, I think, can definitely attest to the fact that there are challenges with every child. And then there's also these really beautiful moments that just come out of nowhere and they remind you of why it's such a blessing to be a mother, right? Or why this child is just so amazing. Um, So could you share a little bit about like maybe one 
experience that you had with little Chris that just like blew you away and you just like fell in love with him all over again? I think for me, knowing that he was autistic, I also had a misconception that he wasn't going to be smart. And I was amazed when he's learned so much, like he can pronunciate words. He can count to a hundred by himself, like just little things that I wasn't sure if he was going to be able to do because I didn't know how bad it was going to be. And just, you know, anytime I see how he's learned something and he's able to, to just show me what he's learned is amazing to me. It shows me how smart he truly is, but it might take him a little bit longer to get there. And it might be not the way that I would think he's going to learn, but he learns. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And I love that you said that because there are, again, expectations, right? These norms of what a child should show at a certain age or how you should learn. Everybody should be this certain way. And, and that's not the case. And so the fact that he shows you that, I think it just shows, again, like every child is so unique, regardless of whether they are special needs or, you know, neurodivergent in any capacity, right? Um, what's one of the funniest things that he's done lately or recently in the house? <laughs> he's obsessed with Ryan's world. Uh-huh. So he found the Ziploc bags, and he thinks that it's the funniest thing ever to fill it up with, a, with water and put soap in it and try to poke holes through it with the color pencils uh -huh. because that's what Ryan does on the show. So he has made a soapy mess more than once <laughs> trying to recreate that. And I'm just like, this kid is something else. What about Ariel? What are some things that they, they've done together where you're just like, you can't help but laugh. Like you want to not laugh and you just can't help it. Well, it's funny because their dynamic is any time that one is doing something they shouldn't. It's like the other one's watching out to make sure that... He's yeah, like the lookout? The dynamic rule. Yeah, and as soon as they hear me, like, walk up, they're both, like, they don't know where to hide. I didn't like, do it. It's hilarious <laughs> to see their dynamic. They're like, it wasn't me. And, and they're real quick to, like, especially Chris. Like, if Ariel, let's say she writes on the wall, and I'm like, who did it? He'll be like, Ariel, he's a snitch. The biggest snitch I've met. So he'll just... He'll throw her under the bus and won't even think twice about it. And I'm just like, this dude. He's like, I didn't do it. I will not have the consequences for this. Exactly. No, it's this one. <laughs> it's so funny. Um, so before we wrap up, what would you say are some of the myths or assumptions, maybe, you know, misconceptions that people have about anyone that's autistic or maybe even that you thought it would be like and those myths have just totally been debunked or you know along the way as a mother to little Chris like you've learned oh maybe this isn't the way that I say things or maybe this isn't what I should expect from him like what are some of those myths that people should just know maybe aren't they're not real I think for sure it would be that kids with autism are dumb they're not they learn it just they learn in a different way. You have to find the way that they learn and they have to be engaged in learning. It's not just teach them the way that everybody else learns. That's not the way they're going to learn. It's just not. You know, I think that's the biggest thing that I've taken away from him. It's just, he's so smart, but 
it just takes him a little bit longer to get to where he needs to be. Yeah. What would you say to families who, you know, have someone that's autistic? What advice would you give them in their journey? Be your child's biggest advocate. I've had to be his advocate at school, through therapy with my family, not believing something was wrong, just advocated for him since day one. And he would not be where he is right now if it wasn't because I started him so young. And, you know, get the assistance, get the help as early as you possibly can. It's really hard to know that you have a child that has a disability, but it's so important to get them the help early because you want to make sure that they thrive. And it's going to take them longer to get to where they need to be. But if you are their biggest advocate, they will get there. I love that. What do you think has been one of the more difficult conversations or things to talk about that you've had to have with either families or friends and you've now crossed that bridge in those areas? I think them understanding that his tantrums are not just a regular tantrum. He deals with stuff differently and sometimes, you know, it's not that we're not correcting him at home. It's that that's just part of him for the time being and you know eventually we'll get them out of in control and he has gotten so much better recently it's one step at a time it takes time yeah i love that i think for me i definitely have learned that not one person who's autistic is the same everybody's totally different if you look at special interests they are all different if you look at personalities sense of humor how they learn everything, right? It's so different. And that for me has been one thing. I think even more recently, for those that don't know that are listening, I'm a special education minor at school at San Francisco State. And one thing that keeps coming up and even this semester is a consistent theme is just learning the language around it. Learning what are some things that we tend to say as a whole, as a society, when it comes to people who are autistic that aren't necessarily um, seem as correct by the autistic community. So I think for me, it's definitely been just learning a lot of the language and the vocabulary and how to say things that will show respect, will show inclusivity, uh, will show just that they, they are exactly the way everybody else is, right? They aren't less. And I think that's one thing that in the Latino community and as a Latina myself, who has worked with, you know, parents who are Latinos, I've learned to have difficult conversations that have led to just this acceptance and that there isn't shame around it, that there isn't guilt around it, that it's completely the opposite. This is just a different journey of parenting. This is a different child and, and it's just going to take different steps in order to make sure that that child succeeds. So I, I think we all have still so much left to learn as a society when it comes to anyone that is autistic and disabilities in general. We have a long way to go, but we've come so far already. So for me, it's such an honor to hear from you and to have people hear from you as a mother, as a parent, a child who's autistic and what your experience has been. So I honestly really appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us, Ima. I'm so grateful that you shared it with everybody and that you came on to talk about what your experience has been like with little Chris. I hope that for everybody that's listening, 
you learned something from it and I just want to reiterate how important it is to recognize that every family's experience is different and unique. Until next time, this is Hortles and Hoots with Karina.